0: Jesus
1: is real. There's power in your name. We find hope trust in your ways. We Jesus is real.
0: And for those of us who are here today who have put our faith and trust in Jesus and his finished work, the victory has already been won. It's not a question of will victory happen, it's already happening. It's already done. And our job is to learn how to manage the tension until it comes into its full fulfillment in a way that actually embodies the fruit of the Spirit.
1: In the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul talks about his frustration at knowing the right thing to do, but not doing it. Sometimes you might get so discouraged that you think about just giving up on the Christian life. Pastor Daniel will be reminding you of a few things about this Christian walk today, like the fact that the power to do right doesn't come from you. It comes from the Holy Spirit, who gives you the power to succeed, often in spite of yourself. Now here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Revelation chapter 18, as he begins his message called The Fall of Babylon.
0: So I think we can all admit that it's a way different experience when you know the outcome of something, as opposed to if you don't know the outcome of something. If you know how something's going to end, it feels one way as you experience it. If you don't know how something's going to end, you experience it a whole different way. One of the things I always do as a pastor is I ask God to make me live my messages, because I don't just want to give you like Bible facts. I mean... Bible facts are cool, but I wanted to really reach my heart. So I asked God to make me live these things so I can help explain them at a heart level. And so, sure enough, this week it happened. My daughter, Marinatha, plays basketball, and this week was like rivalry week two games against their two main rivals, and I'm sitting there in these two different auditoriums, two different days, watching this game. Now, I don't know how the game's going to end. I just know that it's rivalry games. And it's funny, because as you're watching a sporting event, there's the folks who are playing. Like, in this case, the gals were playing. But then, like, all the parents have, like, their own experience that's going on when they're sitting in the stands. Now, because I'm all Italian from New Jersey, i.e., I have a huge, big mouth, I sit in the very last row because I realized that not only do I have a big mouth, but I'm also the pastor here at Crossroads, and I don't want to give you all a bad name by getting thrown out of the complex for yelling at the refs or whatever, which is always like a distinct possibility. So I just sit in the back, and I just kind of watch. And as the game's going on, you know, if you're watching a basketball game, there's momentum shifts, and there's big plays that happen, and there's all this stuff that's going on, and you really don't know how it's gonna work out until the game is over. Now, if I contrast that, One of the best additions to my life in the last year, I like sports, not everybody does. I do, and so it's football season. Everybody knows it. I realize I'm not going to mention anything about what happened yesterday because it might be too soon for some of you. (laughs) But one of the best additions to my life is there's this app called the NFL app where you can watch the games condensed. Just like it's like a a three-and-a-half-hour game gets condensed down to 45 minutes. It's just all the plays no commercial breaks, no anything. And it's funny, it's been a great gift to me, partially because, you know, a lot of football happens on Sundays. So as a pastor, you know, I serve all day and then I would come home and I want to watch football and then it'd be like three and a half hours of football. And if I watch two games, it's eight hours. And then my bride is married to an absentee husband for all day on Sunday. And that's not good for anybody. And and so it just wasn't a a good situation. So I love this. Like you can watch a whole football game in 45 minutes. I realize for some of you, that's like blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. But for me, it's just a great gift, like where it's like, I can watch a whole game, you know, and, and so, but what's amazing is, is as hard as I try to not find out what happens, because you can't watch the condensed game when it's happening, the game has to be over, they edit it down, so as hard as I try not to find out the scores, do you think I can actually wait long enough not to find out the score of the game? Especially like right now, it's like in a little bit, the New York Giants are in the playoffs now, I am bragging because we had no business being anywhere near the playoffs this year. It doesn't even matter how it goes. I've won anyway because we're playing today. But like, you know, I want to know what's going on. But it's one thing when you watch the game when you know the outcome. Because then it's like, I know the outcome. It's just the drama that gets you to the outcome. As opposed to when you're watching a game as it's happening, you don't know the drama. And, and this is so important for us because today we are beginning again our series in the book of Revelation, and we're going to be ending the series over the next four or five weeks. Now, what's so funny is, you know, last year... We called it the year of Revelation. We've been studying the book of Revelation. We did it all last year, but God knows that I have the spiritual gift of long-windedness. So we didn't quite make it through the whole book in the year. There's really no better place to start unpacking this idea that we are all in the process of becoming than actually by looking at the end of the book of Revelation. Because what we find is that the world in which we live in as it exists now is not how it's always going to be. That we're actually in the process, all of us, and all of creation is in the process of becoming something completely transformed. And the entire end of the book of Revelation unpacks that for us. Now, here's the big takeaway, I think, for all of us. Is that if you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus, you have to remember that you are not white-knuckling life's experiences hoping for victory you're actually living out of an already established victory and if you don't believe me just read the end of your bibles what we realize is that as we look at this last section of the book of revelation what you realize is that everything that is broken is going to be unmade remade restored It says in the Bible that God is going to wipe away every tear from every eye. What that means is that as God brings into fulfillment all of the covenants and promises of all of your Bibles, the book of Revelation tells us that everything that broke our heart is going to be restored and renewed. And I think for too many of us, We are going through our days hoping for victory rather than living in the reality that Jesus has already been victorious. Because of his victory, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. But talk about a time to become. Think about the difference when you know the out, like when I was watching my daughter's games, if I would have known the outcomes before, I would have had a way different experience of the game. It would have been less on edge, less freaking out. In one of the games, I felt so bad. The coach was not my daughter's coach. The other coach was getting so worked up. I looked at my little nine-year-old Annabelle. I'm like, that coach needs a cookie. Because, <laughs> I mean, it was an intense game. But, like, literally, I'm like, man, he was so worked up. I'm like, he must be hangry. Like, that dude needs, like, a chocolate chip, an oatmeal raisin cookie with some chocolate chips in it or something. Just to kind of, you know, he, like, he, you know, S- Snickers really satisfies him or something. I just figured he didn't need a little help. But it was so intense. But if you know the outcome of the game, then you realize, like, why am I expending so much superfluous angst? And let's be honest. The people of God in this generation, there is so much superfluous angst going on. People are, like, so flipped. And I'm like, bro, hasn't anybody, like, opened their Bible in a while and looked at what happens? Like, Jesus walked out of that tomb. Like, like straight up like, yeah, you guys are going to seal me in. <laughs> be right back over here. You know what I mean? YOLO, you know, but then you look at the end of the Bible and it's like, and Jesus comes back again and he, and he sets everything right. But for so many of us, we're living like, it's never going to be right. It's like, no, it is. it's already right. But again, when you know the outcome, how you move through the journey changes, And for those of us who are here today who have put our faith and trust in Jesus and his finished work, the victory has already been won. It's not a question of will victory happen. It's already happening. It's already done. And our job is to learn how to manage the tension until it comes into its full fulfillment in a way that actually embodies the fruit of the spirit. And so this is what we're gonna be studying for the next five or so weeks as we finish the book of Revelation together. But before we get to the all things made new, we gotta see the really rough ending. So everyone, open your Bibles, Revelation chapter 18. Open up your Bibles there. The book of Revelation is the very last book, so it's super easy to find. And because we still live in a society that has some sanity, 18 is between 17 and 19 still. So they haven't changed that yet, but it's still there. No one's offended yet. (laughs) You need to give me a cookie. (laughs) All right. Now, before we start in chapter 18, I want you to look back at the very last verse of chapter 17. We had just been seeing in chapter 17, there's this woman Who's riding this beast? They explained it all to us. Everyone understands everything that it means. (laughs) And then it says in verse 18, and the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. All right. So we find out the woman who's riding the beast in chapter 17 is a city who reigns over the kings of Israel. Now go into chapter 18, verse one. It says, after these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations, verse three, have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard, verse four, another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins unless you receive of her plagues. For her sin has reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I said, as a queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. Verse 18, therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire for strong is the Lord God who judges her. Okay. What this teaches us quite simply is the destruction of Babylon. Now, I put it that simply. It's the destruction of Babylon because really that's really the point of Revelation 17 and 18. But you have to realize if you know your Bibles at all, you can very simply think of the Bible as a tale of two cities. The story of Jerusalem and the story of Babylon. It begins in the book of Genesis. Remember, Abram, we know him as Abraham, before his name was changed, he runs into a guy named Melchizedek, who's the king of Salem. Jerusalem is the city of peace. And Abraham gives him an offering. Right before that, you hear about this city called Babylon. It was literally built by a man named Nimrod. And you remember the Tower of Babel, where God confused all the languages So Genesis has Babylon and Jerusalem there. And then really you walk all through your Bible. And then by the time you get to the end of the book of Revelation, you get the judgment of Babylon and you get God bringing in a new Jerusalem. And so pretty much everything from Genesis to Revelation, all of the biblical revelation, and I would go so far as to say all of our lives, are lived in the reality that there are these two places in which we can dwell, Babylon or Jerusalem. They have different purposes and plans. Really, Babylon is a composite or a picture of doing life your own way on your own terms without God as the most important. It's the self-styled, self-willed, my way or the highway kind of living. The alternative, of course, is Jerusalem, the place where peace dwells, the place where God is the center and a life lived for his will and his glory and his kingdom. And really you have, at the culmination of this section of the book of Revelation, the final act is the destruction of Babylon, if you travel with us through the book of Revelation, remember in Revelation four and five, there's this heavenly scene and Jesus the Lamb receives the scroll and there's these seven seals on it. Right? You just start Revelation chapter six. Jesus starts popping the seals by the seven seal, judgment, then the seven trumpet judges starts. They get a little bit more intense. And then by the time you get to the seventh trumpet, that begins the seven bowls or vile judgments, that last set of judgment. And then once that seventh seal, the seventh bowl judgment is poured out, then Babylon is judged. And by the time we get next, then Jesus is going to come back. So we find in this culmination now, the seventh bowl or vile judgment, now this system, this city called Babylon is destroyed. Now, I want you to notice this, that John sees this angel and this angel comes down from heaven. John realizes this angel has great authority and literally the earth is illuminated by the presence of the angel in John's vision. The angel cries out saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. Now I always like to remind people That what's going on here Is it's not like this angel from heaven Has a little bit of you know Roger Daltrey syndrome Talking about my generation You guys know the song? Anybody? You pagans I'm just kidding (laughs) Everyone loves the who Anytime the bible says Is fallen is fallen It's a Hebrew way of amplifying What's going on One of my favorite examples of this Is in the prophet Isaiah It says that God will keep us In perfect peace Whose mind is stayed on him And if you look at the Hebrew, it literally says, God will keep us in shalom, shalom. It's the word peace twice in a row. And in the Hebrew way of thinking, when you said the thing twice, it amplifies it. It's like when we pray here, we say, amen, and what? Amen. Amen. We're saying, true that and so be it. All the way to the end. That's what we're saying. Like, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, and yes again. And in the same way, Babylon the Great is fallen. Is fallen means Babylon is completely and utterly destroyed. It's completely decimated. So much so that in verse 2, it tells us that it becomes a dwelling place for demons. It's a prison for every foul spirit. It's a cage for every unclean and hated bird. That literally the destruction of Babylon is so complete that it's almost like the hang for all the evil stuff. Like nothing good is happening there anymore. Now, what I find interesting about this, and now listen, you're all Bible students, even if you don't think you are, okay? Okay? And you're not Bible students because you have to be. It's not like I need to get my degree so I get my job. It's like you're a Bible student because it's the word of God. And I want you to write these down because there are six chapters in your Bible that all deals with the destruction of Babylon. So I want you to write this down. It's Isaiah chapters 13 and 14, Jeremiah chapter 50 and 51, and then Revelation chapter 17 and 18. So Isaiah 13, 14, Jeremiah 50 and 51, and Revelation 17 and 18. Now, I always tell you this, that when the Holy Spirit repeats himself, it's because it's important. And the fact that God plays six chapters in your Bibles, two chapters in three different books, all about the destruction of Babylon is because it's important. That's why it's there. And so you can spend your time later kind of piecing some of this stuff together, working through what it means. But really, we learn about... Babylon in verse 3, because what we find is, is that all nations have drunk the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxuries. Now, really what's going on here is you find that whether it be kings or or merchants and all these different people, all these nations have a relationship, in a sense, with Babylon. And what's interesting is that you keep running into this idea of fornication. And so really what the biblical idea is, is that God desires all of us to be faithful in our relationship with God. And anytime that we're not faithful to God, it's a type of spiritual adultery, I know it sounds kind of strange, but unfortunately, many of you have been in relationships where that trust has been broken, and you know how painful that is. And I'm so sorry if you've gone through that. And really, all good relationships are founded on trust and faithfulness. And when that faithfulness is broken, it's incredibly painful. And really what you find is because Babylon is this picture of a life lived without God or in allegiance to things other than God. That really God sees it, whether it be nations or kings or people getting rich through the economic establishments between them in Babylon, God sees all of it as a type of cheating on God. And really, because Jesus is faithful, he invites each one of us to faithfulness. What I love so much about who the Lord is, is that repentance is literally us in our hearts acknowledging our unfaithfulness and turning back. Repentance is us saying, God, I have not been faithful to you in my actions. I have not been faithful to you in the motivations of my heart. And God, because I have been unfaithful, I am acknowledging that I have made a mistake and I am turning back. And that's the beauty of life because God doesn't expect perfection from us. Because he sees who we are. He knows who we are. So this idea of I want my life to be faithful to God. Is a huge step and it is the huge engine how we grow. I think what goes on is we get so used to being unfaithful to God that we don't think too much about it anymore. But we need to think about it. Just in the way if a spouse is unfaithful, it's so heartbreaking. If a friend is unfaithful, it's heartbreaking. If a family member turns their back, it's like, it's heartbreaking. And so we really want to make sure we see this and that we learn from this so that we don't find ourselves in a place where we are being unfaithful in our hearts to the creator and sustainer who loves us so much that he sent Jesus on a rescue mission. Now what's amazing is, is really you find that Babylon's influence is pervasive, but then in verse four, look at what it says. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plague. So in the middle of all of this, this voice comes from heaven and it's really saying to the people of God, the people of heaven saying, listen, whatever you do, you need to be separate from her. You need to come out of Babylon, and this reminds me very much of the apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 17 and 18, which is actually a quotation from Isaiah 52. It says, Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And so, What's amazing is at this time, Babylon is being judged and God is saying, listen, I want you to be separate from her. And I'm here to tell you that in every generation, and especially in our generation today, each one of us need to learn the art of living within the world that we live, but also maintaining a holy separation from it. Now, I'm just going to be honest. This is church. We could be honest, right? Can I get an amen? Yeah. Okay. Here's the deal. This is not easy to do. And the reason it's not easy to do is because we all live here now and we're all living in the soup of what this all is. And so it's hard to make sense out of what does it mean to be in the world and not of the world? What does it mean to live and engage with this world as Jesus would, but also maintain a separation from it? Now, here's what I want to tell you. There are some people and some churches who will say, we are absolutely separate from the world, but they're actually not separate the way Jesus talked about. They're just separate because they did it the way everyone used to do it like 30 years ago.
1: Jesus is real. Today, Pastor Daniel talked about the destruction of Babylon, a city that was a physical representation of the glory of man's ability to take the place of God. You also got to see what God thought about that, too. Pastor Daniel showed how in the scripture, God seems to have had enough of mankind's elevating themselves above him. And In this judgment, you saw the despair and weeping of the men who thought they had ultimate power, but found out that they were wrong. Hey, everybody. Pastor Daniel here, lead pastor of Crossroads Community
0: Church in Vancouver, Washington. We would love to connect with you in person. We have services on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If you are not able to join us in person, connect with us online at live.crossroadschurch.net
1: or find us on Facebook at Go, the number two, and Crossroads. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to jesusisrealradio.com. Click on the stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share more concerning the destruction of the city of Babylon. You'll find out how this could relate to your view of your relationship with God. Maybe some adjustments are needed to get yourself flying right. Another thing that Pastor Daniel will help you to see is not just that there's a celebration going on in heaven during this time, but why the people in heaven are rejoicing amidst this calamity. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series, A Year of Revelation. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.